to Locked and Leftist, episode seven, uh, prepping. I'm your host, Bubble, and I'm joined by El Diablo. Hey, everyone. It's me, El Diablo. Uh, nice to see you guys. It's been a while. Uh, and welcome to our show. And we have a special guest today. Hi, Logan here. I'm usually on postmortem breakdown, but this topic is uh, near and dear to my heart, so I thought I would come on and uh, join these two lovely comrades and talk a little bit about it. So, Logan, um, you've had some projects before Populist Voice, um, right? Do you want to talk a little bit about that and also how you got into prepping? Sure. So, um, you know, I have my own podcast called the Focused on Infinity Podcast. Um, uh, and, you know, I have been prepping for a long time because I've always been basically acutely aware of the the rot in society, even before I had like a name for capitalism and knew exactly what was coming down the pipe. I knew that something was wrong. And also just my family, you know, my family's from the South and what we call prepping just used to be what people did, you know, right. like if you live somewhere in a rural area or whatever, where you don't know, you know, and also you just, you, learn, you know, to take care of yourself, you know, to take care of your family, you have a pantry full of stuff, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and in cities, we don't really do that so much. And I was like, why not? That seems, that seems ludicrous. So I then took it upon myself to not only, you know, do it, but figure out how to adapt it for where I live and for, you know, for my personal conditions, which is basically what you got to do. Cause there's no one size fits all uh, to anything, especially in terms of just being prepared. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I never really got into the, the prepping community because it's kind of uh, problematic in a number of ways <laughs> and also not very approachable. Um, but, you know, for several years now, I've looked at, uh, you know, food with, with a longer shelf life and, and a growing list of supplies that uh, either came in handy or would have come in handy. Um so now, you know, now I find myself uh, pretty far into the prepping spectrum, I guess. Uh, El Diablo, what what are your thoughts on prepping? Um, so I don't know much of like the logistics of the actual community, but it's kind of like funny because last week I was talking about this with my family and um, it's really important. I think uh, I, I don't know the community or really what to do, but when you kind of start to think about it uh you, you do need to be ready and um for me like i would prep mostly with um the only thing i've ever prepped on is like uh arms or ammo but there's a whole other side of it because if you can't feed yourself with that stuff you're, you're going to be able to feed yourself so i think that's interesting and i i'm very interested in that and i want to get into that yeah, yeah just, absolutely. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. Go ahead, Logan. <laughs> I just wanted to echo what Bubble said that, um, yeah, I, I used to be in prepping spaces years and years ago, and they're just chud heavy. They just have been taken over. Like, unfortunately, a lot of things that, like, you know, we as people who are for the people, like, should be doing, a lot of those spaces have been claimed by not only the right, but the hard right. They've become spaces for radicalizing people rightward. And so I think this, we definitely need to expand the conversation leftward. You know what I mean? Because that's, and you know, just it, it, like, just not even in terms of left and right, but like what's actually good for the people, what's good for all of us, because anything reactionary is not going to be good for, for everyone, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in my work, uh, I, I've seen a lot of like the conversation about guns and self-defense uh, starting to be reclaimed. And I think that's been really cool to see. Uh, we absolutely need to, you know, work on the same thing with prepping and all these other um, spaces that for so long have been dominated by the far right. Like I remember, um, you know, starting martial arts as a, as a child, it was, you could really sense the right-wing politics in a lot of places. Um, but those are useful skills and, and useful practices. Um, so I'm glad that it's kind of branching out. We're kind of reclaiming that space. Um, I, I was just going to add something. I think that also um, 
or pseudo leftists or people who lean more left or might even be center. Like I, I really wanted to talk on what you said with rural areas or like coastal areas of big cities. There is like a, a lot of people think it's laughable or you're, you know, it's like a panic buying thing or prepping. And I think it's really important because, you know, anything could happen where you don't have access to the networks that you have access to in this system. And, um, I personally don't think it's funny or like to laugh about it, but I do, I do understand that there are people, the community that are you know, either really far right or laughable for lack of a better word. But I think that, uh, it's great that people are reclaiming it because then it's being taken seriously. Like it's not just about this group of people or this group of people. It's about what's good for the collective. And that's something people should know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing that I found is pretty interesting because I, I've been on the periphery of prepping spaces for a while and I look in and see what's going on, um, you know, in, in those communities. And their planning is actually moving uh, leftward. Their hmm. politics is not really, but the right. planning has changed a lot from when I first, uh, you know, looked in on those spaces, maybe in the early 2010s. Um, everyone thought they were going to go, you know, take their bug out bag. Everybody had a bug out bag and they were going to run out of the city and go live in the woods or something. <laughs> and more recently, you know, even with the far right preppers, there's, they've come to the realization like that doesn't work. <laughs> there's not enough yeah. woods and you're way more unsafe outside your home. So we got to rethink this. And the rethinking is happening at the same time that, leftists are increasingly getting into prepping and i think that's that's pretty interesting because like real effective prepping is different from that like i'm gonna go live in the woods or a bunker kind of mentality and kind of everyone across america from what i've seen is starting to realize that that real prepping is preparing with your community preparing um you know with your with your circle to support each other um, and to build skills and uh, all of all of those leftist tactics. Um, absolutely, absolutely, totally want to uh, echo that because yeah, like the you know one of the reasons that prepping was viewed as silly is because well, I mean two reasons. You know, one you have shows like Doomsday Preppers where the people who were they were focused on they're the thing like they focused more on what the people thought was going to happen to make them sound silly because the show, even though, I mean, I love the show because I just ignored like what the people were talking about. Cause some of them were like, you know, there's going to be a raid by the aliens or whatever, you know what I mean? And like, or, or there's going to be a, you know, the polarities are going to shift and the earth's going to flip over just the stuff that they thought was going to happen might've been laughable, but the tactics that they were thinking about were not at all. And, uh, the problem with a lot of those people, though, is like you said, they are thinking individualist. They were thinking of castle defense. They were thinking of essentially, you know, nuclear family and and basically conqueror mentality, where it's like each person becomes the king of their own little individual kingdom. And all you need is like a thousand cans of beans and 10,000 rounds of ammo and you're good to go. But that's not how it's going to work. Or I mean, and even if it does for those people, like they'll find that they quickly fail. Right. And so, like you said, really the big thing is also, you know, mutual aid and it is part of prepping. If you're, if you're really trying to do it seriously, right. All the things that you need to do that are more leftist values. And, uh, and as you said, I've been watching as they've been more and more co-opted by the right, because they're, um, I posted a video on my TikTok the other day, and it was showing that like a bunch of proud boys with a mutual aid table and they were feeding the community at like during some kind of tough time or whatever. Sorry. Oh, OK. Sorry. I just heard you. No, sorry um, about that. Yeah, no, no worries. Um, yeah, they were feeding people and they were doing mutual aid. But what they were doing was they were using that as a way to radicalize people to the right because they are just they just got the jump on us, you know, because they are more active because honestly it's because they have a you know when you don't have good ideas you got to move first right because we are like you know 
aren't actually thinking about people's well-being, we're like, well, you know, we have good intentions, so we'll be able to just work it out. But no, we got a plan. We got to get people because there is actively a battle for people's brains. And it's a battle that they are winning. You know, that's why, again, prepping spaces, like I just had to not go into them anymore because it was just like, you know, I'm just being black and then, you know, heaven forfend they find out anything else about me. You know, it's going to be like, yeah, no, you got to go. You got to leave here like for six different reasons. So I'm like, you know what we do need. I mean, I am I am a big proponent of, uh, you know, of armed being armed as to whatever degree is possible for you. I live in a city, so I don't have as much access to to firearms. Right. But uh, as they say, you know, the, the weapon that you have and know how to use is the best weapon. And I am a big proponent of that idea wherever you are. And that's all I'll say on that matter. But uh, the other thing is, you know, things like gardening. That's the that's really one of the big things that I do. And at first people were like, it's ludicrous that you can grow your own food in the city. The first thing to do is get out of the city, you know, and I was like, well, first of all, no, I'm not going to leave all my friends behind. Forget that. And right. second of all, you know, I would rather get, you know, I'd, look, I'd rather be in the city in a Mad Max situation where there's marauders, but they're just trying to like take my stuff rather than getting caught somewhere in a rural zone where there's a bunch of people established that have been prepping for years and they don't like folks like me, you know? So that scares me much more than somebody that just wants my stuff. I'll deal with that. I'll deal with that all day. You know, good luck to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, if I'm, I'm out of area, basically that's, and also, you know, you never want to be new somewhere in a crisis situation. I think that's yeah. the thing that people, you know, and even people thinking like, Oh yeah, I got to get out of the U S like whatever, whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, do you want to be a new immigrant or a refugee during a time of crisis? I don't think you do. You know, so this also is it's it's a larger and, and more, um, you know, it's a holistic conversation about everything that needs to be done in order to keep ourselves safe in the times of people that are and make no mistake. They're they're coming. They're almost here, you know, and yeah. we talk we've talked about on other shows, just like the number of different obvious belt bellwethers, excuse me, that like, you know, that, that it's coming. The collapse is in progress right now. So we would do our best to be prepared for that. Sorry for going on. <laughs> no, that was, that was fantastic. I want to echo a couple things that you said. Um, you know, one is about the, the proud boys and groups like that doing mutual aid to win hearts and minds. That's absolutely a threat. Um, you know, I've also seen, similar groups uh forming communes recently you know all moving to the same area um you know these are powerful tactics that's why we use them that's why people like us have used them for a long time and it is very dangerous that the right is going out and and you know winning people over using those tactics and i i think it uh behooves us to redouble our efforts to prepare our communities. Um, and I also wanted to echo what you said about moving out of the city, you know, for a lot of people like us, that's not a very good idea. Um, you know, we are more protected within our familiar urban communities than, you know, out in the country somewhere. Um, one funny thing that, that I like to say is, uh, because, you know, when my, family uh was was talking about prepping and they're you know they're very right wing um we would always discuss like oh the cities are going to be taken over by leftists but now we are the leftists in the cities so <laughs> we have to plan accordingly um indeed yeah yeah uh go ahead, oh sorry go ahead <laughs> oh are you sure okay um yeah i just wanted to kind of add on to that too i think like uh, with people, I don't really want to say co-opting, but I guess co-opting mutual aid, uh, far-right groups and stuff. I think that also puts um, pseudo-left or even sometimes left uh, groups of people to kind of look down on mutual aid and prepping and stuff. And we kind of talked about that earlier. And I think uh, in order, like, how would we reclaim that? I mean, just by starting and trying to do it. Because, I mean... I've had 
people like strangers on Twitter come up to me and tell me that it's impractical, but I think wouldn't it be impractical to not prepare? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, that's, uh, just as before the, I get to the meat of it, like philosophically, a lot of the time, whatever it is you're trying to do, people are like, Oh, well, that's going to be difficult or, you know, Oh, that's crazy. That'll never work. And I'm like, but we know that what we're doing now is going to lead to, is leading to death and misery and collapse. So we can't just keep doing that, right? We got to do something. And so, yes, like beginning to, you know, to do those tables and to do mutual aid with a distinctly left, with a distinctly for the people mindset is not only going to be successful, but like it will be easier to win people over because we have good ideas because we're not talking about, you know, we're not coming from a place of hatred. We're coming from a place of like, no, look, let's all be good. You know, let's make sure that we can thrive. And also look, if we're talking about a collapse, this is the other thing, like the collapse of the American empire is the only situation under which most of us are guaranteed to have a better shot. And yes, it will be hard. Yes, the, the victory is not assured. And yes, there will be all kinds of calamity, right? But at the end of that is the opportunity for something much better, especially if we, you know, first of all, are as prepared as we can be. And second of all, are coming at it with the like, look, this is not like warring, you know, warring little kingdoms against each other. You know what I mean? This is all of us trying to survive as best we can. And, you know, it's always, it's always going to be solidarity and cooperation versus uh, competition and conquering. That's, that's always how humans are going to do the best. Um, and that's like, that's, that's borne out by just, you know, the story of human history. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that is really what defines leftist prepping is, we're not just trying to survive. We're not going to, you know, going to hunker down in our bunkers until the U.S. military rolls through and kills all the bad guys. We are going to build a better world. We're going to take care of each other. Um, yeah, it, it totally different mindset, I think. Um, so I want to, uh, you know, steer this conversation to people who have no idea about prepping never heard of it before heard of it don't know any details i think like we talked about the most important thing is uh preparing your community you know not waiting until a disaster strikes to make connections you need to join groups and have those connections to other people um but other than that you know i do think there are things that you can take to prepare your household and then there are also um, skills and preparation to take on as a group. Um, so I guess let's kind of start with your individual stuff, like what kind of food are you storing, water, power, defense, those kinds of, those kinds of things. Um, do you want me to, or do you want to go first, El Diablo, or should I go? Oh, no, you go ahead. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, okay, so definitely. Um, first is... Uh, just basic, basic defense. Make sure your locks are good. Make sure your windows, if they are any place accessible by other people, have bars on them. Make sure you know the points of ingress and egress if there are multiple ones. Um, and as, in terms of uh, supplies, you know, you want, you want like just, you know, a 50 pound bag of rice, right? Not that expensive and just indispensable to have. Right. That's, and that will, that, 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 that's like the basic baseline. Um, and then, you know, you have like your, your, your cans, like you do, you know, the idea of having like a bunch of cans of beans sounds ridiculous, but like you do want that, you know, (laughs) you do want to have like sources of protein and vegetables that are not perishable that will last for any length of time. You want to keep them dry. That's good too. Um, you know, you want to do cans and you just rotate out the cans as you need to when like expiration dates come up. And what you can do is you can just give those away in your community. And that is also a way to start like mutual aid and little things like that. Um, also in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of home defense, um, for reasons, I will not say that much about it, but I will say, you know, do everything you can to make sure that in the event that you have to go out in adverse circumstances or someone is trying to get in in adverse circumstances that, uh, they will be dissuaded um, and <laughs> there are there are some places online where I'm going to go into that 
further. Um, but there's lots of things you can do for not much money that are very convincing. Um, you know, balloons and uh, household items out a window. People will leave. It's a lot, you know, whatever. That's that's all I got to say about that. But anyway, um, and then talking about just the other thing, which is like in your house, you want to make sure that you know where everything is and you have everything in places that are, because, you know, in, in the biggest thing about cities for prepping is that you don't have a whole ton of space. So make use of the space you have well under the bed. You know, if you put like a, a thin layer of, of like items on the bottom of your closet, you know what I mean? And then put whatever you need to put in your closet on top of that, or just have like, you know, like a linear area in your closet that is just blocked off with supplies. That's one way to do it. Um, and you just, you know, you just get creative depending on what, what your, you know, your, your living space is like and how much space you have. Also, uh, I say this a lot just for things like, uh, hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, whatever you have in your area, right? I'm in, I'm in New York. So, you know, we get hurricanes and there is flooding. The first thing to do is obviously be aware of what flooding zone you're in and know if you're going to need to leave if it floods. But the other thing to do is if you have a place where you're in a zone that's not going to flood, then you go, hey, I know that you live in zone one where there's going to be flooding. Why don't you kick me a few dollars when I go to Costco and, and stock up on supplies? I will make sure that you and whoever you're going to bring, you're good. So you don't have to panic. And I don't have to feel like you're taking my goods or whatever. Right. Um, and obviously I think you should, you know, you should do that regardless, but it just helps if you're planned ahead, because the more you've already have planned ahead is the difference between panic and preparation, you know, just, just that, that's it, right? You're, you're just ready. And then you can help other people. That's really the big thing. If you are not like scrambling in a time of crisis, then you can be one of the helpers. And that's the thing to do in times of crisis is look for the helpers. You know, like I know that if something kicks off, I can go help other people first because I know what, you know, I know what I'm, I know I'm good. Right. So I can be that source. Also uh, things like armor, um, you know, you can't always get weapons in the city, but you can get different forms of armor, right? Even if it's something as simple as, and, and look like, you know, I'm talking about like, you know, goalie, armor or just like some some um, uh, elbow elbow pads knee pads anything that will make you a little bit more durable in any situ situation that kicks off it's good to have right whatever degree you can take it to if you have i mean you know uh, i have i know friends who make uh better stuff and so i have a lot of things that are you know from different levels basically of protection but the biggest thing is use what you have whatever money you have, right? And also think about this. In any kind of situation that we're going to encounter, like a bunch of money in the bank is probably not going to help you that much, right? And like people, that's one of the things that, that preppers have right, is that you'd, rather, you'd be better off having a bunch of stuff than a bunch of money in a situation where there's a run, everyone's running to the ATM to try and get out their money and there's no money left or whatever, whatever. Again, it's better to have things that are useful than ostensibly thousands of dollars in a bank that you won't be able to reach. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, I think, kind of like the baseline for the home, the home defense sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all those points. Um, although a caveat on the last one is that I do think people should have an emergency fund. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the collapses usually happen over time so you know don't get evicted while you while society right. is falling apart um right, right uh but yeah you know i think prepping uh as a as an individual or as a family can look a lot of different ways i think there's a lot of uh tricks to save money um i think it's very dependent on your budget you know what can you spend what are you are looking to spend uh, if anyone has any questions or wants to bounce ideas, um, you know, please feel free to DM me or, or at me. Um, I think it's a very interesting topic. I like to just talk about it in general. Um, but like you said, you know, dry food, canned food, rice is huge. You can, you can spend a small amount of money to get a lot of food, um, one of the tips that I've heard that I think is important is, uh, you know, try to get things that you enjoy eating. If you just hate a food 
and that's what you stock up on, you're going to be pretty miserable. Um, <laughs> and also be, you know, be sure to have some spices, some hot sauce, some, some things to mix it up. Um, you know, beans and rice, super, super cost effective, super good idea. One, um, one item that I really, uh, like, and I have invested uh, a good amount in is, uh, these tuna creation like foil packs. Uh, and the reason that I like those so much, if you can get them at a good price, I only buy them if they're like 99 cents or cheaper because it's not a ton of food, but they're very lightweight. So if you need to go, you know, walk around for a couple days, um, you can put a bunch of tuna packs in your backpack and it will not weigh uh, very much. Um, it's a great idea. Yeah. In, in terms of, uh, of defense, I have a lot of guns. Um, <laughs> I I'm glad <laughs> that I can have that. Um, it's also important that you know everyone you know that would like to have a gun also has a gun. Um, there are you know if you have the budget for it, power is super useful. Generators, oh, yeah. um, you can get for under a thousand dollars. For some people, that's very doable. For some people, that's not. Um, Water purification, uh, you know, there's a lot of life straws and life straw like products. Yeah. Um, that's a super good thing to have. I have the Sawyer straws, which filter a bit more water than, than the life straw. But, you know, life straws are fantastic. Mm. You don't want to get sick from from dirty water. That's like the number yeah. one uh, cause of death in a, a, a breakdown of infrastructure. Um, good call. Yeah, just looking at, you know, what you can put aside and like you said, where to store it. It's good to have bins and shelves and and uh, making the most of your space. Um, but it's, you know, it's good to get started. So if anyone, again, if anyone has any questions, I'd, I'd love to answer them. Yeah, um, same here. Yeah, um, I wanted to add something to that, if that's okay. Uh, I, everything you, you all said was amazing. And I think... Um, it's really important uh, for like, I don't know if anyone's been backpacking or camping. Um, they have like dehydrated meals that expire like 50 years later. Like I, you know, if you really needed that. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, foods like honey take a long time to go, but almost never goes bad. Um, honey is the one food that never yeah. goes bad. Yeah. And that's really useful. You know, you need sweetener or you could just eat it on toast if you had access to toast or, you know, and, and, uh, for me, like I, you know, I'm a cis woman, so I get, you know, I need menstrual products. Uh, I think stocking up on that for a bunch of people is important too. um, or finding alternatives, like I don't want to go much too into it, but you know, like diva cups or stuff, uh, because that stuff is going to be needed and we're so used to how we do it now, but we could find alternatives for that. Um, and I, I think one of the most important things that pops in my head, like when you're not fully abled or you rely on medication, like I do, um, for physical pain, that's gonna hinder you a lot. And, um, you can always look at, uh, I think it was botany books. And that's kind of why, why I brought it up is because you can find medication or things with medicinal properties. If you don't have anything in plants, um, hmm. In, in foods and anything uh, with, you know, water source nearby and, and teaching people skills. Um, I have very minute skills, but I know how to do things in harm reduction with um, overdoses and stuff. That Teaching people that will really help. Um, and I brought up the botany because I know that you do gardening. And uh, if you're able to in that situation, you know, if it's imminent collapse or it's like a slow collapse, you could, if you had the ability to have some small land or someplace to uh, grow crops, um, that's really important. Checking, you know, based on what you can grow in your area, your climate. Uh, I'm, I'm not that in, informed on that, but I know a little bit um, because I have a small garden, uh, but doing that would really uh, help you have fresh food, which is uh, 
it's if you have rice and beans for a long time, I mean, it's necessary to have uh, all the vitamins that are in those foods. And uh, and I wanted to ask you real quick if we have time um, for the uh, sorry, brain farted about your garden. Yeah. Um, if, uh, I would love to talk more about gardening cause that is definitely one of my, that's like one of my big things. Um, the, I, you know, people talk all the time about how there will be no food in the city. Were you done? No, I was done. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I accidentally brought this up too early, but, um, and someone was like, you know, preppers don't usually share their plans. And then someone else, um, this comment that I just, uh, just showed you. Preppers should share their plans with neighborhood and neighbors and community. Now, obviously, you don't want to give away the whole game. You know what I mean? Don't tell every, you know, I'm not telling you half of what, you know, my personal situation is, right? But I want to tell you enough that you can get started and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, because, you know, we want, we want people to, to get the idea and we want to educate. We can't just keep everything, you know, close to the vest because we're afraid somebody's going to, you know, that's not, that's not what we're about, right? Um, but anyway, back to gardening. Uh, this is uh, this is my garden situation. This is the beginning of the season, um, and as you can see, it is not in ground. It is all in mostly repurposed five-gallon buckets and fabric cloth bags that are not that expensive. And you know, I'm using like milk crates that I picked up from from all around everywhere, and just you know, flower pots that people either gave me or I found or whatever. And I grow enough food in, I think there's like 66 planters in total. Um, I have fruits, I have vegetables and, you know, it's just me. So I have enough. I mean, I, I produce enough food to feed, like, I don't have to buy fresh vegetables throughout wow. summer, like starting spring, spring until basically, um, I, I think there's actually one kale plant that is still survived because kale's super frost hardy. Kale's like the, the star of my, of, of the garden. I think it's the thing that you should probably grow the most of. Um, arugula would be second because arugula grows pretty fast. Uh, and it's also very, you know, it's very healthy, it's nutritious, it's tasty, but it is not good in the, in the heat of summer. The heat of summer will basically kill it off. So at the beginning and the end, uh, of the season, you know, get your, you'll, you'll get your arugula and you can plant it again and get enough before the frost. So you do one crop in the beginning, one crop at the end and kale, you can just do all the way through. And what I do is harvest when hungry, um, which basically means, you know, Instead of, I don't chop the whole plant down at any point. I just go out and I pluck, you know, I pluck for, for what I need. Um, and what I'll do is let me show you another, uh, another picture, um, of what it looks like, uh, you know, further along in the season, uh, because, you know, that's just kind of the beginning. But then when you really get going, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more than, it's more than one person can make use of. Uh, there we go. Yeah, this is what it looks like. Wow. Um, you know, not even at the end of the season. This is probably like midsummer. You know, this is kind of the midsummer situation. Also, yes, uh, somebody mentioned worm composting, food scraps, organic, all that. You can use all your stuff um, and you can, you know, use all your garbage, your compost. And you just like I have um, I have a worm composter, put some worms in there and you can harvest worms from underneath these things. Right. So underneath the um underneath each of these it becomes moist because you know you poke holes in the bottom of the buckets and you know water the nutrients run through and the worms love it under there so you don't even have to buy worms you can just lift up move around the pots take some worms throw them in the compost and they help to, to um you know to break down your compost faster so you it also ends up being better for you know, just the environment, you know, because you're just reusing more stuff. You're, you know, you're reducing the amount you put into a landfill. And yeah, there's, I mean, there's a wide variety. I mean, I've got plants. I've, I mean, I've got plants. Obviously, I've got plants. I mean, I've got herbs. I've got vegetables. I've got fruits. Um, I've even got like witching herbs. Um, now, most soil in the city is polluted, sure. But A, there are ways to do soil remediation that are relatively inexpensive. B, if you have a little bit of money, you can just buy some soil and mix it in with existing soil. Also, um, most plants, and you need to look this up because I don't remember off the top of my head, but uh, even if you're using polluted soil, there are lots of plants 
that essentially clean the soil as they grow. And by the time you're talking about the actual leaves, the leaves and the, this what you would actually eat are not don't have the same level of pollution as the as the soil does. But that's something you should look into yourself. But it is uh, kind of a common misconception that like you can't grow food in the city because the soil's too polluted. Also, another thing is uh, I'm I can't legally recommend guerrilla gardening because it's not legal. And also, you should take indigenous uh, you know the the word of indigenous people on what you should be growing in a certain area, what will not be invasive. But um, you know, if I could recommend illegal things like guerrilla gardening in situations like this, I certainly might, but I can't, so I won't. Um, and <laughs> also, rooftop gardens. We need to have rooftops root of gardens on every rooftop in every city. Why? Because every time it rains in New York City, it floods now, and that's just because of climate change. It's just and it's just going to keep happening. But the other thing that gardens do is they slow down how fast water gets from the sky into the sewers. So it actually helps with water sequestration. And if you had a <laughs> if you had, you know, roof gardens all over rooftops all over the place, first of all, that would that promotes community, right? Because there's people who say don't have jobs or they're older and they just are looking for something to do, they could just go up there and tend the garden. You know what I mean? And if it's in buckets like this, you don't have to worry too much. You know, obviously getting it up there, that'll be a thing, right? But like beyond that, it's just something that you can keep doing and you keep, you know, you keep replenishing the soil using the garbage and the compost and the food scraps from that building. It's something that's totally doable. And here's the thing. People are like, well, you could never feed everybody in the city with, you know, with just a bunch of rooftop gardens and community gardens and backyard gardens. Okay, maybe not. But it'd sure be a whole lot better than what we got now. You know what I mean? And that's like my big thing about prepping and about you know self-defense and everything, right? There's always going to be some goonie bird who's going to tell you like, oh, that'll never work or that, that technique will never work or like, oh, somebody will just take that gun from you or oh, whatever, whatever they're going to say. They're going to say something, right? And what, you know, what am I supposed to do? Just sit here? Of course not. Of course not. And, and the, I mean, and lastly, we have, I think, been taught by both society and just kind of like by the way that the ideologies work, that being a leftist, being a person who is for the people, being a person who is based in love means that you have to be weak and fuck that, right? Radical love is about protecting people at all and any costs. It's about seeing someone who is basically has chosen evil, you know, and I don't mean that in like the Christianic way, but you know what I mean? Yeah. They've chosen to do bad things. That person, you need to protect other people against, and you need to not feel one way or the other about it because you are there with a mission to do good. And there's lots of people that like to do, you know, like, oh, well, everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. Fuck that. No, they do not. That is not true. That's just not true. Some people know they're fucking doing wrong. You know what I mean? And so yeah. we need more people on our side who have, you know, the heart and the the radical fervor and the strength to be like, look, I I'm, I'm you know, I'm learning to make my body strong. I'm learning to make my community strong so that we can use like, you know, we need weapons. Right. Mm -hmm. And the weapons are, are physical. They are mental. They are emotional. But strength needs to be reassociated with 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 true populism with true for the people action absolutely i think people have been conditioned to think someone is going to come and help them um but working disaster relief these past two years i've really seen that that is not true um whether it be texas here after the winter storm or louisiana after hurricane ida there's a lot of communities that don't get help ever. You know, yeah. FEMA is not coming. Um, yeah. the, the Red Cross is not coming. <laughs> if you're especially in a poor minority community, you know, you've got like your local pastor who's trying to do something. Um, and that's about it. Yeah. So we really need to, you know, rid ourselves of that mentality. No one's coming to save us. We need the food, we need the infrastructure, we need the weapons, we need to take care of all those steps ourselves. Um, I wanted to circle back to a couple of things. 
One is Diablo. When you mentioned dehydrated food, um, I think those are great if you have the money, but it's usually not cost effective. Uh, you know, anytime people get worried, they go out and they buy a bunch of Mountain House 25 year dehydrated <laughs> food. Um, and you're just paying so much extra for those calories. You know, if you just buy regular old canned food, it's going to last like three years. Um, and then just make sure you use it before the three years are up. Um, I don't, I don't see a case where you need preserved food 25 years from now. Like if, if things go sideways tomorrow in 25 years, we'll either have things back up and running or everyone will be dead. Like there's no, I don't, I don't really see a reason for 25 year um, shelf <laughs> life true. with that premium. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Another thing I wanted to touch on is a uh, gigantic anime fan asked, you know, what can you do if firearms are a no go? Um, and I think that's an important question for people, most places outside the U.S., certain places inside the U.S. Um, I have some ideas on that. Uh, but, you know, Logan, you're kind of living that reality. Do you want to address that first? Sure. Um yeah okay let me um okay so um bows are perfectly legal to have in the city uh you know this is not again if you have a choice of a of a bow or a firearm you'd go with a firearm if you don't nobody wants to get hit with an arrow it's not a good thing in fact i'd look would you rather get shot with a 22 or with an arrow think about it think about it you know what sounds better um also it's something that you can practice in your backyard you know it's something that you can you can use and also look you know there are certain kinds of um of melee weapons you know knives all things like this that are also perfectly legal to have um and you know again i can't recommend anything illegal but there are other states uh whatever but you know there's you know there there are lots and lots of weapons that you can have to protect yourself with and again like i said earlier you know the best weapon is the one you have and the one you know how to use you know so also if we're talking about a situation where there's like a collapse of society like that will be a time when you can get more things and so in the interim what you'll want to do is you'll want to, you know, if you have friends who live outside the city who, you know, who have access to firearms, go practice with them, you know, just make sure yeah. that's not your first time handling a thing. And the other thing is, um, and I, you know, I am not into ableism, right? Like there's some people, people have different abilities and that's totally, totally okay, right? Not everybody is, not, not everybody's going to fight, but there is a place and a space for everyone. You know, that your, your pepper sprays and your, you know, your Mr. Mr. Zappy, you know, get a little, a, a little taser, well, you know, whatever it is that you can get, get it, learn how to use it, make sure it's, uh, you know, it's somewhere where you can access it if you need to. And by the time you get to that, things have already gone pretty wrong. So the goal is to not get to that. And uh, I like to quote this a lot. There's a homeless person. Uh, on a tr the train that I used to take. And he, like, I'd see him, you know, two, three times a week because he was on the same train and around the same time as I was on it. And he said, you know, hey, help me out. You know, a little charity keeps me out of the poor house and out of your house. And, like, it's funny, but it's also true. The better you do in preparing yourself and your neighbors and your friends, the less likely that they will come for what you have. You know what I mean? It's the the most selfish thing you can do is look out for other people straight up because you will be better off when you are surrounded by people who are better off. And that is the one thing that this country is so freaking bad at is understanding that, right? It, you wouldn't have to worry about people coming to take your stuff. If you just gave them a little bit more stuff, not even that much, you know, uh, without getting too far into like, you know, American politics, like FDR maybe was the best American president, but he was a capitalist. He saved capitalism by giving people more stuff. He was like, look, they are restive, they are angry, and I'm a rich person, you know, and I want to save my family, my rich friends. And the way that we do that is by giving them a little bit more. Give them a new deal. Give them some jobs. Give them some houses. Don't, don't change the power structure. 
We don't have to change the, the way power works. You know, he didn't change anything fundamental about America. He just gave people enough that they were fine. So people viewed the 50s and the 60s as these big eras of prosperity, right? Even though that it was getting worse and worse for some segments of the, of the population, right? Because he just gave a little. And that's the same thing. If you can give a little, give a little. If you can give a lot, give a lot. But all in all, the better off you people around you are, the better off you will be. And that includes information. That includes food. That includes training. You know, uh, and if you have people on your block who, you know, just make a friend on your block. So I have, um, I have a, a few garden friends on my block, the people that also garden. And whenever garden season comes in, we just trade plants. We don't, we don't really talk otherwise. We say hello, we're, we're friendly, whatever. They don't got to be your best friends, right? But you develop this kind of relationship and it's, it's in place. So if it time comes when it really, really needs to happen, I'm going to go, hey, you know, the, the trucks have stopped coming. You know, I got a seed bank and you, if you grow a bunch of tomatoes, I'll grow a bunch of kale and, you know, we got a salad, you know what I mean? And just, it, it's right there, ready to go. So, um, all of that and, 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 you know, self-defense is not just weapons, right? Making sure people around you are fed is also self-defense. Um, yeah. and obviously like, you know, martial arts training, if you have access to it and the physical ability to do it, then by all means. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the greatest defense is having friends. Uh, yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me of a, a, I guess, a lesson from the, the George Floyd uprisings is we had guns pulled on us several times. Um, and, you know, we just all stood together as a group and nobody got shot. Um, nice. You know, having people have your back, even if they don't have weapons, that's a really powerful thing. Um in terms of weapons you can get in the cities, you know, I have a lot of different ideas about this. I've looked into it from a few different angles. I think uh, probably the first go-to is pepper spray. You can get a pepper spray for like $10, sometimes less, very useful, um, legal pretty much everywhere. There's bows, there's sticks. Sticks are really good weapons. Um, knives uh there's also and you want to look into your local laws and really figure out where the loopholes are but there's a lot of places where you can have black powder guns so hmm. there's a whole line of of gun companies that make guns that aren't technically guns um uh like the 1851 navy revolver so you you have six shots not technically not a gun in a lot of states um <laughs> So That's there's, awesome. yeah. So there's black powder <laughs> guns. There's air air guns. Um, you know, like a BB gun. Uh, there are hunting grade BB guns, basically high power air guns. Um, you know, they go up to 50 caliber. There's there's 357 air guns. There's 50 caliber air guns. So there's a lot of things to look into and find out. You know what you can have. What uh, what you have the budget for. What you're interested in in having. Tasers are good. The tasers that shoot are better. Those are pretty expensive. Um, but training, like you said, training is also really key. Train with your friends, you know, get some friends together. Uh, find, find a friend who knows enough to teach or, you know, just watch things on YouTube and, and try them out. Any training is better than, than no training and, you know, know your weapons, um, practice different things with your friends. Even if it's just like, Honestly, like moving as a group, like watching each other's back, um, that can be super useful. Uh, I want to address something that, that that Bill said in the comments about how bad cities are. Um, I think if you're a leftist or even just a populist, you got to kind of change that thinking. And I think that thinking is drilled into us by American culture, by American education, Fear the cities, the, the crime, all the people. The people are the greatest resource. Yes. You need people to do things. You need people to grow food. You need people to protect each other and watch our backs. You need people for everything. Cities have the most people. And therefore, cities are the best place to prepare, to prep, um, if you're any kind of leftist or populist, I, I think. Uh, and, you know, people in rural areas, they do great work, too. They have their communities but if you are a, a person who lives in a city um this is where the people are this is where 
you teach each other skills, you train each other, you organize each other. Uh, and that's really, you know, the, the, the key to all of this. Um, could I also respond to that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, also, now there was something else you said, uh, Bill, about, you know, how like, like a lot of people would leave the city uh, in time in a time of crisis. And that is absolutely true. And I mean, I've thought about this, obviously, uh, extensively, since I have no plan to leave the city unless it's about to be bombed or about to be flooded. Right. So who's going to leave the city first? Rich people, people who have other places to go. Right. What does this mean? Uh, again, I'm not recommending anything illegal. Right. But like in cities, not only is there a concentration of people, there's a concentration of stuff. There's yeah. so much stuff in the city, so much stuff. And people who are and, and I watched this happen at the beginning of the pandemic. I, you know, my business, I interact with a lot of people with money. Right. And I see their, you know, their places. And when the pandemic hit, they got the fuck out of Dodge. You know what I mean? And if you're talking about a situation where they're not coming back, yes, there will be more, you know, it'll be more dangerous, right? But also, if we have people prepared to look out for each other, right? The biggest problem for me, I'm more afraid of the cops than I am of somebody who is hungry, right? Because they're not ideologues. And ideologues are dangerous. But people who are hungry, you tell them how to get food, especially for the long term. You may have just made an ally, a permanent ally, right? So the other thing is that, yes, the transitionary, the transition time between what we have now and what we have then will be dangerous, right? But A, as you said, people, a lot of people will leave. B, you know, there will be a time to acquire and allocate and figure shit out among, you know, with resources. And then all we really need is a stopgap. Right. We need enough stuff and enough knowledge and enough just like, hold on before everybody freaks out. Right. To get other stuff running, to get those gardens built, to figure out other ways to get food, to just basically figure out what we're going to do. What are we going to do about power? Also, um, on one of my my, my recent podcast uh, with this guy named Trash Robot talks about how you can build little power stations with not that much money and a little basically an Internet that works off Raspberry Pis interconnected with each other, right? So there's solutions for everything. And a lot of it, like Bubble said, a lot of it is just that we're taught to be afraid of, of cities and taught to be, because we're taught to be afraid of each other. We're taught to be, you know, you count on the police, you count on the state to take care of you. And that ain't never the way it is, and it's never the way that it's gonna be, right? So yes, it will be difficult, but I'm just, I just urge people to not automatically have the knee jerk response of like, we gotta get out of the city. Because first of all, some people can't. And if you, if all of us with good hearts and a little bit of ability leave, then we will be leaving the most vulnerable people, the very young, the very old, the very poor, et cetera, to the devices of the marauders. You know, that's, that's a whole thing. Um, and just to, oh, no, 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 right, right. And, and again, yes, without jobs, there is, there is definitely no reason for a lot of people to stay. But where there are people, there will always be jobs. Bakers? A baker stays here, they're gonna be real popular. The people that you see in the subway selling the, um, you know, like the, I forget what they call those things, but like the little, I, f I forgot what they're called, but whatever. There's vendors everywhere, right? The vendors will be, you know, vendors, bakers, people who make food, basically anyone that does something that can, that can either build something or bake something or, or cook something. They're going to be super popular. There are still going to be jobs. They're just not going to be, you know, coding. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not going to be the nonsense jobs we have. It's going to be real jobs doing real things for real people. So it definitely will mean a lot of people leave. But things, you know, this, a city is not a bad place to be uh, inherently, is, is all I'm saying. You know, and yeah. again, if you have the option to be someplace that's already set up and you know your community in a rural or suburban area, great. But if you don't, don't fear being left in the city. And also, if you do live in the suburbs, fuck your HOA. Put gardens in all those lawns. Why do you have lawn? Why do you have lawns? Yeah. Grow some food. Put some seeds in the ground. Seriously. 
Yeah, I mean, I I agree in the long term, people will spread out more. But like you said, we got to survive long enough to get there. And in the in the short term, there's all this stuff in the cities, like you said, that we will need Uh, when the winter storm hit us here in Dallas. We were moving hundreds of thousands of bottles of water a day to keep people supplied because a lot of people did not have clean water. Um, And we used, you know, big moving trucks to do that. We used a couple 18 wheelers, some U-Hauls. Uh, you need that stuff in the interim. Um, you know, in the in the long term, sure, people will spread out. But in the short term, you know, we're going to need to move a lot of food, a lot of water, a lot of gas. You know, someone in the comments, uh, I, I, Gene said, you know, where are they going to get the firewood? Well, we've got propane, we've got butane, and we're going to need to move that out to people. We've got gasoline. Um, you know, y- the... The scenario where everyone who isn't fully prepped and, you know, isn't ready to survive for several years just dies, that is a nightmare scenario. That is a worst case scenario. And we're going to, you know, we're going to do everything in our power not to let that happen. And to not let that happen, you have to have the resources from the cities. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to add something real quick, uh, kind of with the, with, uh, Logan said about the most vulnerable pe- vulnerable people, like after rich people leave the cities. And I think that um, you've kind of already talked about engineers and bakers. And I think uh, there's a lots of clinicians, doctors, uh, major hospitals in, in big cities um, and just cities in the country. And let's be honest, most of the U.S. has horrible transportation. The cities are the places that have any. Um, so there would be easier ways to kind of, um, network and work through that way, uh, and helping people with, uh, medical needs or teaching people medical needs and having supplies like medication, painkillers, uh, saline, all that kinds of stuff. Um, and when people eventually do kind of branch out after the beginning of chaos or for lack of a better word, it it would be good to kind of be in that area where there's so many people who know these skills that you can learn and you can trade with each other. Like, okay, I know how to do stitches. Okay. I know how to uh, cultivate uh, and make bread from uh, whatever it's called. Why can't I remember? (laughs) Um, Like from wheat, you know, like using wheat and, and making bread. And that way you'd be able to kind of trade these skills and, and then be able to go branch out and teach other people those things and learn from them. Yeah, absolutely. The more skills you have in your group, I mean, the more ahead of the game you are. Like, yeah. ton, a ton of different people can apply their knowledge very usefully. Like, it, you know, someone I know is a chemist, they can synthesize insulin, yes. um, which, you know, a ton of people need that. That's going to be super important. Another person I know works on, uh, like, the city water mains. It's like, well, if we can have running water, that would be fantastic. So <laughs> anyone yeah. who knows how that system works, that's great. Um, yeah. It, once yeah. you get away from your individual prepping, um, you know, which can be very useful, you you get into the the really important stuff, which is your group prepping. Group prepping for defense, for infrastructure, for all these different things. And that's really the key, which even right-wing preppers have figured out recently, is you need a lot of different people. You need a lot of different skills. Yeah. Uh, Totally backing that up. And um, also just to to respond to a couple of the comments briefly, um, I think we forget that, and again, this comes from a conversation I had with, um, with Trash Robot, but you know, the people working at the electric company and the water company, like, you know, not all of them are going to want to leave, you know, they're going to want to stay. And all we got to do is make sure they like they eat. That's basically it. You know, it's like people don't just people do things for money and capitalism because they have to. But like if they enjoy being an engineer, a scientist, a physicist, right? Most of those jobs have been captured by the state in some way. Freed of the state in a high crisis situation, 
a lot of people would still want to do those jobs. So our job would be just to like make those people, make sure those people were safe and make sure those people were fed. And then we could keep a lot of the stuff we have because remember, the state didn't build a goddamn thing. We built everything. The people do all the work. And really what the state is doing is standing in the way of us giving each other the things we need and doing the things that we would prefer to be doing in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, definitely. And, and, but the same thing goes for manufacturing. There's a lot of things, but, um, and, and there's enough, like we don't need to mine another thing because there's enough minerals out of the ground. There's enough stuff. And again, like, uh, you know, I, I lived, I was here during um, Hurricane Sandy and there was no power. You know, there was, it was just nothing. And the way people thought it was going to be bedlam, like, and even I was, and I was scared too, but you know what? There was people just standing on the street directing traffic because there was no traffic lights. And then like cars would go through and like hand those people a bottle of water, you know, like uh, the way that New York city stepped up during Sandy is one of the most heartwarming fucking things I've ever seen in my life. You know, it's just like, like it, it makes me like misty eyed to think about just how much people were just like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Let's just do this. You know, there was a, I, um, I, I went to volunteer in an area that had been much harder hit than where I was. And it was just the church and they had just filled it up with stuff and nobody was really leading. It was kind of a free for all, you know what I mean? But it was a free-for-all that was getting everybody what they needed. People were getting pampers. They were getting whatever medicine. They were getting food. It was, you know, it it was beautiful. And it was like everybody was getting what they needed in ways that maybe, maybe were more difficult before that. Because before they would have needed money, right? Um, so, I don't know. It, it's it's just crisis. Crisis is, is a time when you really see what people are made of. And I think we're taught to fear that it will make everyone go to barbarism. But the choices are always, you know, communalism or barbarism. And you could get one or the other. But if you're prepared and if you have your heart in the right place and your brain in the right place, you've got a better shot at getting the better the better option of those two. Yeah. And I think history has shown that most of the time, the regular people, they do just step up and help each other. Um, there was an episode of Behind the Bastards, uh, a great podcast which covered um, these these elite panics because what seems to always happen is the regular people are doing great. They're doing great when things break down and the elites panic and turn to violence. Um, and the example that stuck with me is uh, the great earthquake in San Francisco destroyed like half the city. Um, and what people did is they just they formed rescue teams. They pulled people out of the rubble. They started community kitchens. They made sure everybody was fed and had water. And then the elite of the city called in the National Guard and started shooting people for looting. Wow. So that's wow. what we got to that's what we got to worry about. Don't worry about, you know, don't worry about the average person panicking and and, you know, becoming like some psychotic wasteland bandit that's not going to happen the regular people are going to be serving soup you know on the sidewalk fear the government response when they start coming in waving around guns yeah um and if there are bandits we we, we gonna deal with them that's all we'll be yeah. prepared you know if you if, if people will make their choices and uh, that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, this was a great, this was a fantastic conversation. Um, this is how long this usually runs. Maybe we could do uh, a follow-up to get into some more granular stuff. Um, but I think this was a great episode. Uh, once again, my name is Bubble. You can find me on Twitter at BubbleBreakBS. Um, my self-defense project is Anarcho Airsoftist. You can find that at A Airsoftist on Twitter. Um, it's El Diablo. We didn't have time for the history portion today, but I think this was better. Um, and I learned a lot myself. So you can follow me at Twitter at like CL. It's spelled like it sounds. Um, I have no projects active right now, but I have upcoming projects. And 
Um, and I am Logan Grendel. Um, you can find me on Instagram a lot at, at Focused on Infinity, on Twitter at Logan Grendel. Um, and I have a podcast, the Focus on Infinity podcast with Logan Grendel. Um, I just released um, a new episode uh, about sex work and, and sex work in the future. Um, and, you know, I have a few more episodes coming out pretty soon. And also, uh, I just want to say I wore what I'm wearing. Uh, I'm a, usually a fairly ornate person. Uh, you'll see I also have a show, Postmortem Breakdown, on this channel uh, at the 9.30 tonight. Uh, I'm dressed like this because if you do need to go protesting, you should be dressed like I'm dressed. Uh, yeah. I have taken off all of the identifying things and I have lots of identifying things. I have tattoos. I have nails. I have, you know, all kinds of things. Right. Uh, I even painted uh, with Matt Black the identifying markers on the helmet. Right. Don't be recognizable. And I don't know this year if we're going to have to do any, um, you know, in the street actions. We may. But if we do remember that they found somebody using just a, an Etsy shirt that they had gotten off of Etsy, you know what I mean? And, and a tattoo, and they were able to find this person and they went after them and they got time. So don't stand out when it comes to actual crisis situations. Cause again, it's the cops you got to watch out for. Uh, I want to thank you also. Thank you too, for having me on the show. I really enjoyed it and would love to do it again. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Okay. Good night, everyone. Right, signing off. Bye. Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye.